Blog Talk Radio. Last night I saw a lunar eclipse in the sky. Then something happened in my mind's eye. I saw you in a whole different light. Clearly, really, it's not that I want you to change. It's more that I want you to stay the same. Oh, and I really do want you to stay the same. I'm just that way, I'm Bonnie D. Graham, a.k.a. Radio Red. Yes, thank you, Alma. We are a little more bottle red this week than we were last Monday. What can I tell you? It was time. This is my little corner of the world once a week. We call ourselves Read My Lips. And you know that means you have to listen really carefully because you can't see me and my guests. But I have some amazingly smart and interesting guests on tonight. As my regular listeners know, most of my guests, are recruited by me from the National Publicity Summit, and that goes for both of my guests today. And I've got some big surprises for you. Regardless of your age, regardless of what you do for a living, I've got a real live living legend Hollywood actor on the line with me tonight. We'll be introducing him in about three minutes. His name is Rick Lenz, and he has written an award-winning book called North of Hollywood. Operative word, boys and girls, is Hollywood. He's been there, done that. He's worked with John Wayne and Goldie Hawn and Ingrid Bergman and OMG, OMG, OMG. Where do you hear some of the stories? And not only is he an actor with a past that we know about, he is the real deal as a writer, talented, sharp. You read it and you go off into, is this real or is this fiction? It's a really good damn book. So I'm going to suggest you all get it and give it as a gift. I know it's not Hanukkah yet or Father's Day. Find a holiday, give it to someone. You will love it. They'll love you for it. Second half, well, what's on everybody's mind? Jobs, jobs, jobs. What's the employment? What's the unemployment? Statistics today, well, you know, we decided to bring on an expert, a woman named Abby Kohut. Abby Abby likes to be called Absolutely Abby because she uses a lot of absolutes because she's so smart. And we're going to talk to her about the reality of posting your resume on LinkedIn, good, bad, or ugly. Well, it all depends on what your resume says. How often should you refresh? If you're in a six-figure job and you're hunting, How soon before you get ready to jump ship should you go out and look? How do you disguise who you are? Hmm, a real email address, made-up name. Should you spend money on those fancy-schmancy websites for people over six figures? Or should you go with something the common folks use like CareerBuilder and Monster.com? And what about those aggregator sites? Abby will tell us the real scoop from the real lady who knows what's going on. She's a corporate recruiter. She's been in the trenches for years, and she knows the story. A couple of shout-outs before we bring on Rick Lenz. I want to do a shout-out. I love you more and more each day to my Lorna, my Dune, my Kaylee, my Big Kahuna, my artist, my dancer, and my violinist, and, of course, Dr. Pepper. We love you. Movies. This week I saw two movies. Amazing, and they're both documentaries. Well, what do you know? That's probably a record for me. I saw The Gatekeepers, movie about the last six leaders of Shin Bet, which is, I think, the equivalent of the Israeli CIA. Very interesting and touching movie, not as gory as you would expect. They had no heat in the theater. That really bothered me. But other than that, it was very interesting. And then I saw a little movie called Havanagila. Yes, I know. We danced the horror to it. It's corny. It's everywhere. Weddings, bar mitzvahs. Everybody all over the world sings it in lots of languages and lots of accents with lots of different musical rhythms. But you know what? There's a history. They even call it Hava. I didn't know it was Hava. You want to see the movie? An hour and ten minutes? Good investment. Go see it. You'll be smarter. March 11th is today, 2013. Famous birthdays. Let's see. We've got Thora Birch, the actress, born in 1982. I can't trust anybody who's that young. 1981, Latoya Luckett. She's a former singer with Destiny's Child. Never heard of her either. Okay, let's get to people I know. 1950, Bobby McFerrin, the jazz musician. I've heard of him. How about Sam Donaldson, the newsman, born today in 1934. Leroy Jenkins, also jazz musician, 1932. Well, we've all heard of media mogul Rupert Murdoch, born today in 1931, and a one and a two. Okay, that's my impersonation of Lawrence Welk, the band leader. Larry Welk is born today in 1903, and with that, I rest my case, and I'm going to bring on my author extraordinaire. It reads like fiction, but it's real. Rick Lenz, north of Hollywood. Welcome. How are you, Rick? I am fine, Bonnie. Gosh, you're good. I've just been <laughs> listening to your intro. You are fabulous. <laughs> 
Well, I take that as a compliment. I well, really I hope do. so. Coming hope from so. you, thank you. I, I've been known not to not to breathe until the hour is over, but <laughs> I'm going to take a breath right now. Rick, I'm I'm delighted and honored to have you on. I was sincere in my compliments. Your book is a delightful oh. read. It's a space ride in the mind of an actor. I believe every word you said. And I have so many things I want to talk to you about, but why don't you do a little introduction? I could sit here and read all the famous names you've acted with in Summerstock and on Broadway and in movies and TV. Why don't you go ahead and just be very proud of yourself and tell us, who is Rick Lenz, what have you done, what are some of your favorite (laughs) movies, and then I'll join in. So tell me, who is Rick Lenz? Well, uh, first of all, my favorite movie this year was Life of Pi. It was just me, but but I'd seen a lot of them on the small screen, and I saw that one on the big screen, and it just blew me away. I've never seen the like of that. I will move on and talk about me now. Yes, that's fine. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I've i been an actor all my life, and uh, and I went to New York in the beginning because I was told by a man named Walter Slezak, who was a, mm-hmm. a well-known character actor from years and years ago, and he told me that if I went to Hollywood, they'd just put me on a horse, which in the end, when I came to Hollywood, they did. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, but I went to New York and, and I was in you know, a few plays there. And among them was Cactus Flower, and I got the job uh, also in the movie, and that's what mm. brought me out to Hollywood. And uh, so I was in that movie, and then I was in a bunch of other movies and television shows, and and I had about twenty years where I worked, you know, probably more than I didn't, which is a really lucky thing to be able to say yes. for an actor. And uh, uh, so it was all over the place. It was things I loved. It was things I didn't love so much. But uh, I worked with people I never dreamed I would meet, let alone work with, like uh, Ingrid Bergman and mm-hmm. Cactus Flower. And, uh, in fact, I have a – can I tell you a quick story yes, about her? sure, please do. Well, I, I was I – was, uh, there was a scene in that where I was dancing with her, slow dancing, and, uh, and toward the uh, – we just gotten started in the first take, and, and and Gene Sachs, the director, cut, and he said, "Rick, you got your your hand over Ingrid's uh, profile," and I thought, "Oh my God, I have my hand <laughs> over her ears, <laughs> something," and I said, "Oh, I've I've just ru- ruined Ingrid Bergman's profile. They're going to drum me out of business before I start." And. Uh, was it anyway, that bad? Did they forgive you, or did they just reshoot the Oh, uh, she was so sweet. She was so sweet. In fact, she, I got to say, she was kind of known for having, you know, a little crush here and there on leading men, and I don't think she had one on Walter Matthau, who was her leading man in that. So I thought maybe, you know, she liked me, and <laughs> and uh, and then I, I saw her about three, oh, several months after the we'd finished shooting and I saw her at the premiere in, in New York and uh I said, Hi Ingrid and she said, Hi Nick <laughs> That's <laughs> so how I much she wrong. loved you, baby. <laughs> I know. But she didn't have that that long lasting Listen, yeah, right. it rhymed. It rhymed. That's close yeah, enough. It was four letters and it rhymed. I think it's gold. I would say yes, she remembered me well, to quote. <laughs> uh, who was that? Um, yes, Gigi and uh, Maurice Chevalier and uh, Hermione Gingold. Yes, I remember. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, remember that. Oh, I'm, moments. I'm dating both of us, honey. I want to go back a little bit to your origins, if you don't mind me going back to very no. early in your book. Actually, page three. Charming story here. It reminds me a little bit of uh, Joan Rivers' autobiography, I uh, think it was Shall We Talk, or one of those early Let's Talk, or Can We Talk, and she talked about how she was started out in comedy and in strip clubs. She was backstage with the, the hoo-ha dancers and with all the pasties yeah. and all the tassels, and she would do anything to get on stage as a comic, and it was a really dirty life, but you started out much, much purer, Rick Lenz, you started <laughs> out at the Clark Lake Playhouse, and may I read just a small paragraph on page three? Sure, sure, please I thought this was charming. You say the Clark Lake Playhouse was above a bar with a jukebox in it. You could hear the constant thrumming, I love that word, constant thrumming of rock and roll even during your loudest scene on on stage at the Playhouse. I can still hear these snatches of dialogue. Quote, where were you on the night of August 23rd? Unquote. On watch, sir, and you were playing a 17-year-old Navy ensign at the time. And what were your duties on watch? And you say, well, sir, to watch. And then from downstairs came the following, the Everly Brothers singing, wake up, little Susie, wake up. 
exactly what happened, too. I, I love so that. Well. I love that with the motorboats buzzing on the lake at the same yeah. time. Very, very. But none of these distractions matter. Now I want to fast forward to something I think is the key to your interpretation of being an actor, Rick. On page 11, you talk about cognitive dissonance. And you say cognitive dissonance is the basis of most good acting. I'm going to shut up now and let you talk. Tell everybody, what is cognitive dissonance? Is it something you're born with, something you learn in Hollywood or you learn on stage and Broadway? What is it and why is it so important? Well, I think uh, I recall how I describe it. And uh, it's a thing that you know most of us have a feel for. It's just a human thing more than only an actor thing for, for sure. And I think I described a, a, this, a, a moment where you're you're in a big house and you're in a little pool of light in an easy chair reading a kind of a scary mystery, and suddenly you hear a it's a big house, maybe two or three stories up, up stories upstairs, and and you, you hear this noise, and it's a little kind of a kind of a woo woo scary noise, and you kind of get out of your chair and out of the warm pool of light, and you walk into the increasing darkness toward the bottom of the stairs and when you get there you begin to hear this what sounds like a moaning now and it gets even more that way well if you're if you're if you've got probably what you need to have if you're going to be an actor by that time you're terrified and if you feel that kind of terror that's that's really the basis of uh a lot of acting you just get yourself feeling in that kind of you know, drawn into the moment that you've let yourself get drawn into, and that's, uh, it's vital. <laughs> it's vital, and this is something that can be taught to young actors, Rick. Oh, I sure. have some, some friends who were actors, or shall we say, yeah, they're actors. They consider themselves actors. How do you know when you've achieved that level of uh, perhaps suspending disbelief, where you're so in the character there's no more you. Rick Lenz is no more, and it's that character. You personify. You live that person. You breathe like they do. You eat like right. they do. The words right. are coming from that person's soul who now inhabits your body. When do you know, is it something that I, as a moviegoer, would say, oh, boy, is he good? Is it something that the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences would say, oh, yeah, that's actor of the year material? Is it uh -huh. something your, your wife would say to you? Is it something you know? When you yeah. take off that costume at night and you can't go back to being Rick Lenz, how do you know when you're there, Rick? You know, it's it's it, it has to do with. Uh, I just think of the two uh, people who won Best Actor Award in the Academy Awards this year. They both mm -hmm. they both have that. Both Jennifer Lawrence and Daniel Day Lewis had that in those roles, and I think probably in anything they do because they're just really wonderful actors, uh, and. I don't know exactly, you know, how either one of them work. In fact, I think I heard Jennifer Lewis say that Jennifer Lewis. Lawrence. 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 Thank yep. you. I, I think I heard her say that she she is not trained. Well, apparently it doesn't matter always. I usually think it's, you know, it's usually a good idea for an actor to be trained, but, you know, whatever she's doing is working just fine for her. And I think Daniel Day-Lewis, on the other hand, has, you know, gotten the normal kind of uh, – I don't know whether it was RADA or Royal Academy but uh, in London, but that kind of thing. And I know for, for sure that he disappears into his role. Well, I think all good actors do to, mm -hmm. a, you know, almost 99% do disappear into the role. You've got to keep that 1% where you recognize the realities of what's going on around you. You have to be able to still look at yourself a little bit and know the difference between the character you're playing and, you know, and if you have to hit somebody, you make sure you don't, you know, bust their eardrum, you know. Um and that's just that's the vital thing. The vital thing is to get into it but not kill anybody. Okay. And yeah. probably not kill off what's left of your own ego in case you have to reclaim it somewhere down the road. Oh, now, oh yeah. Right? Well, I don't know. You know about that. You really have oh. to let your ego just go out the window because if you worry about how you're going to be perceived or how, you know, how your mother's friends are going to react to what you've done, then you're in deep trouble. You're you in deep trouble. And I'm, I'm thinking more when when the role is over, the movie's over, and you've got to go out and become somebody else. Do you need to reclaim the reality of who you are in between, or can you go from role to role? It might be a little esoteric question, but I'm well, just wondering. Well, no, I know what you mean. I, th yeah, I, I think I do, because I, I did a, 
a series for a couple of years where I ca- played a character I didn't like very much. Ah, uh, I, tell to, us. I, I had to learn to like him. It was a, a, a western called Heck Ramsey a long time ago with, mm-hmm. with uh, Richard Boone. And uh, my character was just a terrible, neurotic, you know, pain in the butt. And, and uh, I, you know, between seasons, I found myself, you know, that kind of hanging on. And I had to kind of divorce myself from that. And in fact, I went into a little therapy for a while just to, right after I'd finished with that show because I, I was, I'd gotten, let myself get sucked into it so much that I, I'd become more of that character than I wanted to. Or maybe it's that it brought me face to face with parts of myself that I wanted to, you know, have some at least recognition of, if not control over. Okay. Uh, good good points all that I want to know. I think everybody wants to know, what was it like living in Hollywood? Where did you live? Why is your book called North of Hollywood? And whose swimming pool did you overlook and watch her have her morning morning in the buff swims? Everybody really wants to know. They're like, come on, let's have it. Let's tell okay. it. Okay. I, I lived in uh, Beverly Hills uh, uh, next door to uh, uh, Jacqueline Bissett. And, uh, and she was as young and gorgeous as she ever was when uh, during that time and uh, and that was I mean if you remember Jack, Jackie Bissett she mm-hmm. she's a gorgeous woman I think she still is in fact um and uh, so I used to take a a peek once in a while I tried not to just <laughs> It's just I, I didn't use I didn't use spy glasses or anything like that. But she I was just, there skinny dipping in her pool every morning, and yeah, your window happened was. to overlook it, the pool. So why wouldn't it, you look, right? Well, exactly. Yeah, I had okay. to do that, and uh, it was it was a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you know, so, and I remember in the very beginning of your book, you say, "No, I'm not going to comment on 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 them." <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> well, and I kind of, kind of, sort of do, but that you're you're being a real gentleman. And what was it like living the Hollywood life? Do you still live in Hollywood? Where are you now, by the way? I I am in fact north of Hollywood. I live actually a couple blocks from North Hollywood, um, and that's I I guess I took the title from, you know, I was thinking grandly because I'm I'm reading a Stein book a, a book again Steinbeck book again right mm-hmm. now January roll. And uh, I was thinking of East of Eden when I thought of my title. I know that's pretentious, but never mind. There, Not at all. We all have to get get a direction. But what's so significant about North Hollywood? Or no, I know nothing about it. I haven't been to well, Hollywood. It's, so. Yeah, it's uh, it's just you know it's in the end of the San Fernando Valley, and in a way, it's a world away from Hollywood. And yet, it's you know it's a ten minute drive. So it's kind of. You know, I was saying in the book, I, I guess that you know I, my life has been both a Hollywood life and been a very regular life, and sometimes a very irregular, regular life, having to do with you know some of the things that I talk about with my family and my. You know, I was involved in uh, in this was a family inherited trait to some degree in uh, drug taking, and uh, mm-hmm. I can't. I don't mean I'm not, I don't mean to blame it on my. Uh, parents, but uh, it was uh, a thing that just you know I was involved with, and, and actually my daughter had to deal with it also, and it was mm-hmm. uh, you know it was a, a thing to go through, and it was it's it was one of those things. In the end, I was I'm able to say that it's you know it made it made me grow stronger. My daughter uh, was you know had that problem for a length of time, and, and now she's you know swimming and swimmingly healthy and and uh thank she goodness. Has a baby baby daughter 5 years old and so yeah thank you indeed thank you you know what kelly clarkson says what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and i really believe that i do too i do yeah. too although there are times when you don't want to get past it you don't want to be stronger but for the will of I god know. by the will of god the grace of god you do and and there you are oh. on the other side speaking of stronger and speaking of surviving there's a little little uh, anecdote here in your book about John Wayne and a certain pistol and something <laughs> happening to you landed you in the hospital and you actually got one of probably the only two uh, the only two apologies Wayne may have ever done in his career. So tell us what what to slap us silly here, Rick Lins. What happened with you and John Wayne? Why why did it happen and how did it end up? Well, it was a scene uh, where I, I was he he. Uh, 
puts a gun in my mouth and walks me out the door because I'm I'm an irritating journalist who wants to tell his life story. And, and what's and the movie? Just, Which movie is it? Uh, the Shootist, I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, and uh, so he, he backs me out the, of the living room or the parlor and out to the front steps, and then he, he kind of knocks me, you know, my head down, and uh, and he does it with the, the hand that's holding a huge six-shooter. You have no idea how big that gun was, as, mm. as well as how big he was. And and he not hit me in the head, but he hit me with the gun while he was doing it. And and so I, they took me to the hospital, and they put in a couple of stitches. That was all. And then I saw him a couple of weeks later, and he uh, he said, uh, he kind of nodded toward my head, and he said, uh, back of my head, and he said, uh, how is it? And I said, it's, it's nothing. It's just, <laughs> and he said, I only ever did that once before. That's a great Wayne impersonation. I love it. I love it. So you got an apology from the Duke. OMG. <laughs> well, of sorts, yeah. OMG. Now, how much do you want to tell people that your book is a tell-all? I know the reviews say it's a gut-wrenchingly honest Hollywood memoir. <laughs> I found the honesty in your interpretation, your sharing your interpretation of what you went through and how you felt and the process of acting and the process of being one of what they call the most workingest actors in Hollywood and then not so much. So that honesty to me is, is what's gut-wrenching. Is, gee, it sounded like he was on a joyride there for a while and then whoa and then okay and then yeah. do you really know who this guy is? So are you a household name? Should you be a household name? And what was the what was it really the best and the worst of times? You want any of the above Oh, Answer me any anything you want. I'll, I just want to hear you share with us. What do you want people to take away from your book, Rick? Well, I'd like them to take away uh, a, a, a look at a, kind of a, an average actor's life. I don't mean that I didn't do well, and that I, you know, that I, I'm thinking of myself as not good at my work. But uh, I had ups and downs when I after I did Cactus Flower, I did a bunch of movies for a while and, and I was you know, some television series and, and you know, lots of Green Acres and you know, lots of recurring things on T V and I worked with Peter Sellers in a movie and with Jackie Gleason and uh you know, lots of lots of good people in good roles and, and good mm-hmm. directors and I, I gotta tell you that was a joy ride. It really was. Yeah, but bet. part of the part of that joy ride was I was a a deluded guy, and I think there's a certain amount of that that is just part of suddenly getting more attention than you know you're used to, or that most human beings get. And then when it goes away, which you know, if you look at it uh, realistically, you know that in a, to some degree, uh, for almost everybody, it goes away, mm-hmm. and you have to deal with the fact that you're just like every other human trying to you know be a good human on on this planet and uh and so for me it was you know then when I started to you know not be as in demand as I had been before mm-hmm. I you know I still worked but it, there was a lot of uh, you know dealing with the realities of um marriages that failed and uh and now I've been married to my wife Linda for 30 years and now I've yes. thank you finally gotten it right I think but it's That's not right. through any strength of my own that I'm aware of it's just through you know having having survived and learned how to cope with uh you know just real things that's all and mm-hmm. uh I think I'm I've kind of wandered away from your point, but uh, no, that's okay. I just I want to hear you talk about your life, and I'm I'm yeah. appreciating your candor. So, do you think that I, I'm going to ask a very specific question here? Do you think that because you're you have an, an interesting face, an unusual look, is that part of the appeal that attracted directors and casting directors to select you for these movies? Because you are memorable. You're not just you don't look just like everybody else. You've got a real real character face to me. Oh, thank a very you. very interesting look. You know, I never would never forget what you look like. Do you think that was part of the appeal? You know, I think so. When I was young, I think you know, I, I kind of I kind of uh, uh, struck people as sort of. Uh, 
young Jimmy Stewartish kind of stuff, whatever that was, I didn't know what it was because I couldn't see myself except in the mm-hmm. mirror. And you know how you don't really see who you are when you're that young. And oh, yeah. I, I guess it was something that, yeah, people did just look at me and say, okay, I like. I, in fact, I remember going in on auditions and people almost, you know, standing up and being really happy that I was there because I, I fit their idea of what the, the, uh, in fact, Gene Sachs said to me when I auditioned for Cactus Lar for the movie, he said, the only way you're going to lose this role is if you give a really schmucky reading. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I guess I didn't. Obviously but, you didn't. And you said the same thing about your, your role at the uh, the Clark Lake Playhouse. I think I have the name wrong, but you said uh, the role was almost as sure as long as you fit into the costumes and they fit yeah, you. Yeah, so exactly you so. Exactly so. That's when I, when I first got going. My first job there actually was as another young man in Sabrina Fair, which was the basis of the movie, the, mm-hmm. Audrey, the two movies uh, by Audrey Hepburn and I forget the other one, Harrison Ford, and uh, yes, not in the Audrey Hepburn role, of course. Yes, <laughs> although he would have made an adorable Audrey <laughs> yeah, Hepburn. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I have a question for you about Peter Sellers. Very interesting sure. comment here on page 22. You say, Peter Sellers, everybody knows one of the mo- the greatest uh, comedy actors and serious actors of, of a previous time. Peter Sellers spent his life out of harmony. I'm sure in yeah. the beginning he thought, not me. He longed for harmony as much as anyone, but he lived in constant fear that he was, quote, unquote, dying out there even when he was brilliant. He was a masterful actor, royalty among clowns. You write so beautifully, Rick. Royalty among clowns, but in real life he was a short-sighted pawn, unable to see the whole board or anything beyond the square he was standing on. Not that it should have mattered. He was Dr. Strangelove. So if if anybody's looking for an example of Rick Lenz's writing that is so compelling, I think I just picked... IMHO, my humble opinion, a really good uh-huh. paragraph to to exemplify. You write beautifully. You have a oh, thank you sense so much. Of, you write have a sensibility about words, uh, Rick, that you just put them together well, and it doesn't hurt, my friend. It doesn't <laughs> hurt that you're talking about people we know, and that's oh, always know. good because you know. I mean, you say if you said um, Mary Clark got out of her car, it's right. like okay, gee, why do we care about Mary? But Peter Sellers, you got my attention. So lucky you. And I'm I'm glad you wrote the book. Let's see how much time we have left. About three minutes before we bring on okay. absolutely Abby. But okay. talk to me. We're going to do a what's next for you at the end of the show. But right now. Why would people buy this book other than it's another compelling Hollywood memoir? I think it's a great read. Personally, I recommend it. But somebody who just hasn't read it and hasn't heard the show, what would you tell them is interesting or different about your book that they would want to buy it? Well, you know, at the beginning, you said something that I wrote down here. You said a space ride in the mind of an actor. And uh, mm-hmm. in a way, that's what I was going for. And uh, I'd never heard it said that way before. And I thank you for kind of finding... <laughs> You're finding what I'm supposed to be telling you now, but that's that's exactly I'm you know flattered. what it is. My mother is listening. Mom, he wrote down something I said. This is a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> I wish Thank my you. mom could be listening. Uh, my mom is only ninety, and we still oh. do television together. We host a TV oh. show called Isn't Senior Moments, lovely? The Happy Ones, and she's just, she just rocks. She's, she's a, a pissa, as we say. She's a wonderful yeah, yeah. on-camera presence. She's a real natural, Rick. You would love her. If you ever get to New York, come and I'll introduce you to Ruth. She's a, I would she's love that. A real star. Anyway, so so your book, I was saying in the beginning, find a reason. If it's Father's Day, Mother's Day, graduation, Hanukkah, Christmas, I don't know, the 4th of July, find a reason to buy the book. I think the book is a, a fascinating read for two reasons one you're of course you're name dropping hello why wouldn't you that's what it's about but you're just a damn good writer do you have another book in the works yet rick I hope yes i do yes. i have one called the alexandrite and uh, it's a time travel adventure thriller it's a novel oh. and uh, uh marilyn monroe is a character in it and uh, really yeah and it's it's really fun there there's, there's some murder mystery stuff and uh it's uh, I've, I've worked on it so long I I can't even tell you it's been forever to get it right because I got it wrong and wrong and wrong and, mm. and then finally you know it takes uh, it geez, it takes a long time I had a friend well actually Brett Easton Ellis who uh, told me he said this is not easy work uh, writing novels and uh, I don't write at all like Brett Ellis does but. Uh, it's not. It's that I just, you know, if you want to get what you want to get, it really is hard. And, and I hope that North of Hollywood would read like a novel, and I, and I 
It does. I think it does. Yeah. It does. It's lovely. Did you enjoy the process of writing North of Hollywood? I loved it. And there have been other pieces of work I've done that I haven't loved so much. But for one of the reasons, my wife features largely in the book, Linda, and uh, and also my daughter and the rest of my family. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it was fun to talk about them because, you know, they're 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 so close to my heart. And uh, in fact, my wife is close to me in the next room. And tell and, Lynn, uh, and she's part of your email address too. I won't give that away over there, but tell Linda I okay. said hello. I will do that. I will do that. She will say. I know she would say hi to you too. Hi, Linda. Hi, Linda. So <laughs> I have a big. I have two two questions for you because it's seven thirty and we've got to move on here. And my first right. question is: Would you like me to tell people to go to RickLensAuthor.com? Is that the website of choice? It, it is the website, and I would love it if you would. And I'm going to spell it because that's what I do. It's RickLensAuthor.com. Seriously, it makes a difference. R-I-C-K-L-E-N-Z-A-U-T-H-O-R. Rick, R-I-C-K, Lens, L-E-N-Z, author, you know how to spell that, dot com. Thank God for long URLs. We can just squeeze it all in. (laughs) This is really pretty short as URLs go. Now, you're going to stay on the line. We're not going to mute you. And on the count of three, and let me me turn her mic on here, I'm giving her a warning. On the count of three, you're going to help me. I'm just going to call her absolutely Abby because she is. She's earned. It's not just Abby. She's more special than just a one name like Cher Madonna. (laughs) Who needs that? This is absolutely Abby. I'm going to turn on her mic. And on the count of three, together, Rick and I are going to say, welcome, absolutely Abby. Are you ready, Rick? Yeah, I'm One, ready. two, three. Welcome. Welcome. Absolutely. absolutely Abby. Abby. <laughs> Hi, Abby. How are you? Welcome to the Rick and Bonnie show. <laughs> that was hysterical, you guys. That, that was, was really wonderful. funny. <laughs> Nice to nice to have you join us, Abby. Abby, I know you've been listening to Rick's story. Quite a story, a great book. I hope you'll get it and read it. Tell us, any questions for Rick? Any comments on his book? Any comments on, on any questions about his career? Go ahead. Well, the first thing, first of all, I have a million questions, and it would take another half hour, but um, I do have one that sort of pertains to me a little bit. Yes. And um, so we know that there are a lot of speakers out there that get on TV to do media interviews, and we don't have any acting experience. And I'm wondering, and there's also job seekers that go on interviews, and sometimes they have to sort of do a little bit of acting themselves, not lying, but sort of coming out of their shell a little, and that's one of their things that they don't really know how to do very well. And I'm wondering if you have any... Yeah, so I'm wondering if you have any non-actor tips for non-actors, or actor tips for non-actors. What a fantastic question. Rick, go ahead. Yeah, I actually, I actually think I do. I don't know if it's as easy uh, to do as to say, but I found that when I was when I was a young actor, it was really I really had a hard time auditioning a lot of times because I was so stiff and worried about saying the right thing and so on. But the fact is that pe- what people like the most is, and it's true of Im- improvising in theater and so on is for you to just let go and know that whatever you say, it's going to be you and and it's going to work because that's what people want to hear. They want to hear whatever comes out of your mouth that represents yourself, you know, in the best way you can, you know. That's... Let's be authentic. Be authentic. Yes, exactly. Be real. So. You know, Rick, I took a little bit of improv training, and I used to have my own comic, stand-up comedy troupe. And, uh, uh, yeah, just minor, minor, but it was fun. And what I learned is be in the moment. Just be in the moment. Just, Absolutely. Just Absolutely. Whatever, whoever you work. are. Yeah, and I, I think that's a good suggestion. Abby, what a fantastic question for Rick. I appreciate that very much. And now Rick is going to just be quiet for a few minutes and listen, and it's going to be his turn to ask you a couple questions in a little while. And so we're going to turn the spotlight right. on the beautiful Abby. Abby, pronounce your last name for me. Sure, it's Kohat. Kohat, exactly the way it sounds, and we'll give your website out in a little while. And I want to tell everybody that uh, as of right now, there are over 3 million job openings, and there are just so damn many unemployed people. Abby is a specialist. She's a corporate recruiter. Abby was in the trenches, has been for many years, and she knows the scoop. So, Abby, I would like you to give everybody a little bit of your background. I gave just a drop of your bio, but tell us a little bit about your roots and how you got into recruiting, why it means so much to you to have this career, and then I want to pick your brain about the role of social media and online job sites. We're going to talk about CareerBuilder, Monster, The Aggregators, LinkedIn, 
Facebook, how they can help or damage you, and also talk about uh, the aggregator sites and anything else to do with the online presence that job seekers need to have today. And I say need because I believe, from my experience, it's critical to have an online presence. So, Abby, tell us, who are you and why are you in this profession? Okay, well, I started in this profession because I started in sales, in computer sales, believe it or not, and I was loving that. And then a vice president of sales came to me and said, I need to hire some more sales routes just as good as you. And I said, first, thank you very much. And then I said, let me help you with that. And so I started to help him, and I found that I really enjoyed recruiting. So I then went on, yeah, so then I went on to take a real full-time recruiting job at a technology company, and I just kept going on and on with it. And I've done it for about 18 years as a corporate recruiter, and I've also hired about 10,000 people in that time. And that has been, yeah, so that has been really exciting, right? So you imagine, wow, look, you helped 10,000 people. However, when you help and hire 10,000 people, I'd like you to think about all the people I've rejected over those 18 years. Okay. And those are the people that I started to care about. And I said, you know what, even though I've helped 10,000, I've rejected, you know, a million people. And that was when I decided that I wanted to help the people I've been rejecting. Because what happens is it's usually one little silly thing that they do that causes them not to get hired. And I always know what it is. And as a recruiter, you just can't tell people that because you're not paid to tell people that. You're just paid to hire people. So I turn myself into Absolutely Abby, and that's what I do is I tell people the absolute truth. And um, more interestingly, I'm driving around the country right now on a tour, uh, which we expect is going to be 64 cities and it's going to take at least a year and a half, and I'm educating job seekers, and that's what I'm doing. I say bravo. Rick, that's a bravo, isn't it? Wow, that's a double bravo. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, the country needs more people like you, Abby, who are willing to share the secrets. And the sad part is that it shouldn't be that hard to get a job. If we have so many jobs open and so many people looking for jobs, there's got to be a match somewhere. It's like, why are there so damn many divorced people who stay single for all those years? If you've got so many people rolling around, for God's sake, just put your guard down and match up and have a life together. But that's another topic, another show, and I digress. I'm so sorry. So, but it is. It's, it's looking for that match made in heaven at least for three or four or five years, and that's about my life expectancy in a job, but I've had some really good ones. So let's talk about online reality, Abby. Absolutely. I'm going to call you AA, absolutely, Abby. What is the reality of the, the – what's the presence of the online factor? I'll just generalize it. The online factor in finding a job today. Where should you be? What should you say? What's the order in which you should prepare your online presence? And what are the absolute must-haves in terms of your presence? So talk to me. What's your what's your opinion? What's your experience? Okay, so the first thing that you said is it's absolutely required that you be online. So that there, there's like there's no way that you can't be online right now because every single recruiter is searching for you online. Like 100% mm-hmm. of us are doing that. Okay. So you should definitely have your resume posted on Monster. You should definitely have your resume posted on CareerBuilder. And then on those sites in particular, you should set up what are called job search agents, which means you do a search. So you put in some keywords and you do a search, and you come up with the jobs that you're interested in, and then you save that search so you don't have to keep doing the same search over and over, and you get an email every day with the jobs that you're interested in. And you should do that same alert on Monster, on CareerBuilder, and also on sites like Indeed and Simply Hired. Those are aggregators, which I heard you mention earlier. Mm -hmm. Those are sites that go out and crawl the web, and they find all the jobs that are available on different types of sites, and they put them all in one place. And you should be setting up alerts on all of these sites in addition to other sites, like certain companies, targeted companies that you want to work for. You can set up alerts on their sites. So you want to have tons of alerts coming into your email every single day so that you have leads every single day. Abby, I want to ask you to confirm the sites you've mentioned so far are free to the applicant. Is that correct? Every single one of these is free, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we mentioned Monster, spelled just like you know it is M-O-N-S-T-E-R.com. Career Builder is spelled the word career, the word builder, together, .com. And what were the other two you mentioned, Abby? If you could say them slowly so people can write them down. Sure. One is called Indeed, and it's spelled I-N-D-E-E-D, like the word Indeed. Yeah. And the other one 
Yes, and the other one is called Simply Hired. And it's two words, simply and then hired.com. Okay, I've never heard of Indeed. I'm going to look it up while you're talking. And the other question is, can you write a resume once perhaps in, I'm looking at it now, one search, all jobs. Okay, interesting. Can you write the resume once in a Word document and then just copy and paste it into all of these websites? Or is there something special you need to add or subtract according to the personality or the requirements of each site? No, each, your resume can go, the same resume can go into each site. But each site is also going to ask you a bunch of questions for your profile, and so each site has different types of questions. But the resume would be the same. Okay, good. And now the question is, how far back do you go? How many years uh, How many years of jobs uh, do you... Yes. Yeah? That, okay, so one of the things that I write about in my book is to be the captain of your own career. And what I'm talking about there is you... If you are a job seeker, you're going to seminars and webinars and listening to radio shows about all kinds of people that are like me, and you're getting opinions that are completely contradictory to others. Mm -hmm. So if you ask, it depends on who you ask as far as maybe what length your resume should be and how many years it should be. The fact is there is no rule. There's no Bible of job searching. There's no police of resumes out there. And so you have to decide what number of years do you want to put on your resume. So mine, for example, I have 25 years of work experience, and I have 25 years listed on my resume because mm-hmm. I believe all of my experience is relevant. But you have to decide. If you only want to put 10 years, that's fine. If you want to put 15, that's fine. 20, it's fine. It's all fine. And it just really depends on your background. Now, Abby, there's been a big debate going on, and I know you, and by the way, I am so sorry. I didn't mention the name of your book. Shame on me. It's absolutely Abby's 101 Job Search Secrets. A corporate recruiter hands you the keys, and the picture is of keys, and they're gold. Wow. A corporate recruiter hands you the keys to your job search success by Abby Kohut, K-O-H-U-T, and we'll give her website in a couple of minutes. Abby, we talk about how long should the resume be. Now, back in the day, which wasn't that long ago when I lost one corporate job because they just decided to go poof and vaporize a business unit at a major uh, a major telephony manufacturer. Some people will figure out it is. It sounds Japanese, but it's not. And it has five letters and starts with N and ends with A. And one day they just said, poof, we're not selling this software solution anymore. Goodbye. And we were just wow. gone. On, poof. And uh, at that point, they gave me a couple months with one of the biggest names that, that sounds like a major holiday on December 25th in, in uh, job search assistance as somebody who had been laid off. And the big deal was that they put a resume together to me, uh, for me on gorgeous linen paper. Abby, the amount of money they spent on the paper, they gave me a box of these resumes, and they were gorgeous. I think I've used them for note paper since then. Anyway, a box of paper is very heavy, and it's very expensive. So I put them to good use because they were useless to me. However, bottom line is that they insisted on, I think, a three-and-a-half-page resume, and they wanted to go back into the dark ages of my job history, and I said, no. No, no. So how long is the optimal if you have to use a paper resume, which is very rare today, Abby? How many pages should it be? What do you say? Okay, so so many things I have to say about that. The first thing is the length of your resume really doesn't matter, okay, because because resumes are online right now, you want to have the right things on the resume that are going to make recruiters find you, and the right things on your resume that will make recruiters find you are the keywords. Ah. A lot of people will talk about you need to put keywords on your resume, blah, 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 but what they don't tell you is you need to put them there multiple times because if you match the keywords multiple times, you show up higher in the monster and career builder search. So you have to go to the job descriptions and the ads that you're applying for and you have to figure out what words are on there and then you have to load up your resume with those words. And you do have to repeat yourself, but not in sentences. So you don't want to say things like, I know how to use Microsoft Word. I know how to use Microsoft Word. I know how to use Microsoft Word. That's not what we want to do. And you, you also don't need to do this. You don't need to say Word, 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 Word. Like That's not what I want you to do. I want you to find three different ways to say, I know how to use Microsoft Word in three different sentences and put them in three different jobs. So that's what you need to do. And when you start weaving in more words, because every time you apply for a job, you need to look at your resume and see if you have those words, then your resume grows and grows and grows. And that's why it can't be just, it must be a one-page or a two-page. It needs to have all the words on it. It needs to have your accomplishments on it, too. 
But talking about the, that box of paper that you have there with the resume. Mm-hmm. Yes. Those resumes, okay, that paper, maybe the resumes are not useful right now, but that paper is extremely useful because everybody else is applying online for jobs, and if you should happen to send your resume in the mail to a hiring manager, yes. you will be noticed, and someone will actually read it. Whereas if no you just wait. No kidding. Well, th- yes. that. Uh, yeah. Wow, that goes to the the recent phenomenon of people sending thank you notes on paper. I get from some of my radio guests, I get postcards saying thanks for having me on the show, or I get a handwritten note on beautiful stationery instead of just an email, hey, Bonnie, that was great. I actually get stuff in the mail thanking me. And you know what? I notice them. I really, yeah. really do, and I save them. Every single one is saved, and I remember them if I'm looking for another for a repeat guest. Isn't that interesting? So taking the time to put something on paper now is is the standout. That's the standout, not just it's going the with the standout. Now, yeah, if, because it's it, yeah, it's different than what everybody else is doing. I want to ask you if Rick Lenz were to want to go online and put his resume on LinkedIn and say I'm an actor looking for a part in a major Hollywood movie. Rick, listen up now. I'm what, listening. What keywords, we got to give a lesson here, what keywords would Rick want to use other than saying actor, 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 film, 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 uh, Ingrid Bergman, John Wayne, Goldie Hawn, and, and Jackie Bissett's whatevers. Uh, what, would he want to, what would he want to say that would impress every, every role would be, I was in this, I acted, I acted, I acted. Would that be the keyword he would want, or is there, are there other things he would be wanting to put in there, Abby? I'll tell you what, this is the honest truth. I don't believe that Rick would find a job using LinkedIn. I don't believe that there are casting directors looking on LinkedIn for actors. So I don't, LinkedIn is a professional site. It's more for corporate America. It's not necessarily, you know, I don't think people would look for actors on there. Okay. How about writers? How about writers? Oh, definitely writers. Sure. Writers, Ah. producers, directors. Sure. That's different. Just not necessarily talent. Okay, so, well, uh, other kinds of chat. There yeah. you go, Rick. That's a little direction for That's you. That's a good piece of information, yeah. Very, very yeah, Rick, interesting. I'm, I'm, happy to, I'm happy to help you with all this, so we should talk offline. Okay, I like that. <laughs> if you happen to be looking, Rick, you happen to meet absolutely Abby and you happen to need her services, she'll talk to you offline. That, that's a good thing. That's a very good thing. People do yeah, meet each other on, on the show. So, Abby, what are some of the other of the 101 job search secrets? We talked about the length of your resume. We talked about the fact that online may be really cool and wonderful and you're expected. And I once heard a couple of years ago, I heard if you don't have an online professional presence, you simply do not exist in the world. But you're telling us that the paper resume will stand out because people just aren't doing it anymore. So buck the crowd, go outside of the norm, go back to old-fashioned etiquette, and send the damn thing on paper, but make it beautiful paper, spell check, spell check, spell check. Now, um, Abby, what are some of the other top tips? We have, let's see, we have about, oh, five minutes left, six minutes left to your part of the interview. So what would you like to share with my listeners? Well, first of all, we didn't talk about social media. And yeah, what you please. said about if you're not if you're not online, you're not you don't really exist. And even if you do send the resume in the mail, you have to use LinkedIn in order to find the person that you're going to send the resume to. Got right? Cuz you're not going to know the hiring manager from the ad. You're going to have to look through your LinkedIn network in order to find that person. So mm-hmm. it's very very important that you get on LinkedIn and that you develop a network and that it's not just 10 people. It needs to be large enough so that you can search through LinkedIn in order to find the right connections for you. And it's also, if you have a large network, you can see more people, but also more people can see you. And 97% of the recruiters out there right now are using social media to recruit. So if you are not on LinkedIn, that's where you're really missing the boat. And many people are on LinkedIn, but they forget to put their keywords from their resume into their LinkedIn profile. They just go put the titles of their jobs in there, but they don't think to put their words from their resume in their LinkedIn profile. I have and to so go through mine. Just for, just a heck of it. I've got over 500 connections on LinkedIn. Is that a good number? Yeah, that's great. I'd say over 100 is perfect. Over 100 okay. is perfect. Now, I think yeah. people want to know, if we mentioned that Rick's job as an actor would not be necessarily appropriate or wouldn't be something he would benefit from having on LinkedIn. 
I know people are probably saying, well, what kind of job would I put on LinkedIn? If I'm looking to be a, a short-order cook, if I want to be a nurse's aide, if I want to be a director of a nursing home, if I want to be a uh, an executive secretary, would all of those belong on LinkedIn, Abby? Or how do you know what belongs and what doesn't And having an online presence and a professional resume? Talk to us. I would just say if it's a corporate sort of job, you definitely need to be there. If you are a, a teacher, if you are a work in a hospital and the government, you can be there. I think it's things like um, if you work for Home Depot in retail or if you work for a supermarket as a cashier or a shorter order cook, as you mentioned, those are people that we're not necessarily looking for on LinkedIn. So it doesn't mean you don't need to be there. It just means that recruiters might use other tools to find you than LinkedIn. That's the difference. But you can certainly be there, even if you are an actor. It's just I'm saying that when we look for people, we're going to use the tools where we think people are going to be existing. So if you're a short-order cook, we might actually be using a newspaper to look for you, believe that or not. Okay, so I do believe that. So we might still use that. an old-fashioned ad. Yeah, so we might still now, do that. Yeah. Now, I all day long I get comments from LinkedIn or I get notifications, Abby, that say that somebody has endorsed me for a particular skill, like, oh, somebody endorsed me for cross-functional team leadership, and somebody endorsed me for uh, social media marketing, and somebody endorsed me for integrated marketing. I don't know most of these people. Do I have to return the favor, and do I bother to go back and say to them, yes, I'm endorsing you for the same thing? I never heard of them. Why are they bothered to endorse me? I don't know why they're doing it. I know that people are endorsing me all over the place because I speak a lot, and I think they're just trying to be nice. But I, this, is, this is kind of, I mean, they, they are. They want tickets to so Rick's new movie. <laughs> something, but the thing is that they, they're just trying to be nice, and this is kind of why recruiters like me, we don't really take the endorsement section very seriously because it's that okay. easy and because I know that people are endorsing me by clicking on something, and they don't know that I'm a good recruiter. But there is the recommendation section on LinkedIn, and that is where that we actually gold. take those very seriously. Because that someone has to actually write a whole paragraph. Now, another question, for, another question for you, Abby. I don't want to run out of time here. I have an urgent question people are asking me is on LinkedIn, if you think there's a glimmer in your soul that says it's time to start looking for another job, and the old rule was for every $10,000 of salary, add another month to the length of your typical job search. So if you're making $90,000 in the time it could take to conceive and, and have a baby, that's when you can expect to have a job. First of all, does that, new, does that mantra still hold in terms of 10000 per month? And second of all, how do you update your LinkedIn profile without sending out shockwaves to the people you work for who will say, oh, my God, they updated their, their LinkedIn resume, must be getting ready to put the suit on and hit the pavement again. How do you, so answer me those two things, and then we're going to go toward the close of the show. Go ahead, Abby. All right, so the part about uh, how do you update your profile, the best thing to do with your LinkedIn profile is to always keep it up to date so that when you're looking for a job, you're really hoping that recruiters will find you. So we're looking on LinkedIn for people that are employed, people that are not employed. We're just looking. We're putting keywords in, and that's how we're finding you. So you don't mm-hmm. have to update your profile if you're looking. So that was the first part. Okay. And I forgot the first question. The other question <laughs> was, um, yeah, what was my question? Um, LinkedIn, LinkedIn, LinkedIn. I don't remember. Rick, oh, no, I, sh- I should be able to help you, but I can't. Ah, Sorry. I, I can't <laughs> replay the tape, too. Um I don't Sorry know. about that. That's okay. Uh, It'll come to me after we close the show. How often should you update it? And um, I don't know. I don't know. I'll think of it later, and I'll I'll email it to you. Um, yes, yes, yes. I was. We were saying that it was golden to get the recommendations on LinkedIn and how important that was. And how do you not let yeah. people know that you're looking for a job? And there was another question. That's my fault for having having so many things I uh, I say in one sentence, but that's the way it goes. So, you know, Sorry. we have seven minutes left. So what's, No, that's okay. So give me one more tip, and then we're going to ask you what's next for Absolutely Abby. So one more, the hottest tip you can give job seekers today, Abby. All right, so here's what it is. Please be careful about your social media profiles. So on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Twitter, wherever you are, I want you to be very careful about what you say because everything you say is going to be permanent, essentially. Mm-hmm. So be careful. Don't curse on any of these. Don't ever say, I hate my boss. Don't say, thank God today is Friday. What a rough week I had. Just don't complain about the weather. Don't complain about the mess in the Yankees. 
don't complain about religion, the president, you know, all that stuff. And if you keep your profiles clean, when we go look for you, we won't have a reason not to call you. And so please, especially for the youngsters out there that are listening, please make sure you're not talking about your parties that you go to. Just keep it clean because we are looking for you. We're looking on Facebook. We're looking on LinkedIn. And it's just so important that you keep those clean. Abby, thank you. And if you delete a job or a position or change an older job position, just take something off of LinkedIn. Does it leave a memory like everything? Everything you put on Facebook stays there forever, and even Twitter is considered individual posts, every tweet. So if you do something on LinkedIn and you change your mind, you say, ah, that's an old job, I don't want to show it anymore. Is there a memory of that in your LinkedIn account, or will it really go away if you delete that position? No, it really goes away. And on Twitter, if you take a tweet off, yeah, if you take a tweet off, it goes away. It's just that... If somebody already looked at it, they've already yes. looked at it. But it does actually go away, and Facebook does go, actually go away. But the problem is you don't know who looked at the mistake. And, and watch your grammar on these sites. Oh, my goodness. People can't spell the word manager. They spell it M-A-N-G-E-R. Manger. We're all celebrating oh, Christmas oh, on our – yes, absolutely. And, oh, and the, and the initials – I mean, the abbreviation for assistant is not A-S-S. It's A-S-S-T. Please. <laughs> When in doubt, spell check, show it to somebody else, put it in a Word document first, and spell check it, and then copy and paste it in. If you don't know how to copy and paste, that's another skill set you need to get before you go looking for an online job. Be very careful and cautious. You're right with your online presence and have one. So what's next for Absolutely Abby? Talk to me. One minute, please. All right. What's next is what I'm doing right now, which is literally driving across the country, staying in an RV, and really trying to find group leaders of job search groups all around the country, speak to churches, temples, veterans associations, wherever I can find groups of people, schools in particular, all these places, I would love to come and speak to your job seekers and give them some tips that I didn't have a chance to talk to today. And uh, so that's really what's next. Yeah. And Abby, are we going to tell people to go to abbyacrossamerica.com? Is that your website of choice? Yeah, well, either that or absolutelyabby.com. They both will they both will give you great information, and you can find out more there in both cases. I'm going to spell the longer one because I like to spell websites. So it's Abby Across America, three A's, A-B-B-Y, A-C-R-O-S-S-A-M-E-R-I-C-A, starts and ends with an A. Abby, A-B-B-Y, Across America, one word all together, no punctuation, dot com. And you're going to see a picture of the bus. And you're going to see Abby on her tour, and it says, Absolutely Abby's Job Success Tour, the tour, the bus, the job seekers and the media and all the newspapers who are following her and all the magazines, Cablevision and Fast Company and the New York Post and Inc. Wonderful. Abby, I'm proud of you. You're doing a great job, and keep keep up the job you're doing for everybody else's job. And now RickLensAuthor.com. Rick, what's next for you, my friend? Well, Bonnie, I'm going to keep working on uh my next book, which is not, not the one that's coming out with Marilyn Monroe in it, but uh, another one after that, and I'm editing that. And uh, you know, I just I'm seeing stars from listening to Abby because he, I'm of an age where this is not second nature to me—the social you know, networking and mm-hmm. uh, LinkedIn and so on. It just and I, yet I know it's something I should not only should I must do. To, as a writer, just to you know, to promote myself, it's just the publishing world doesn't work apparently the way it did 20 years ago. And nothing uh, worked. Nothing, and none of us worked the way we did 20 years ago. <laughs> I don't want to break it to me, Jimmy. Yes, I'm yeah, a terrible singer. Right. We're, we're edging up on 90 seconds, and I'm going to get the signal here to put the music on on okay. quickly. Rick, uh, are you still? Are you in, a, in anything now? Can we see you anywhere? Not TV, at music, the movies. Not, Not at, at the, the moment, moment but uh, I'm, I'm I'm out there, so it'll be safe. All right. You and Linda are going to keep me posted. Please, please, please. We sure and, will. And uh, I'd love to have both of you back on the show again maybe in the fall, so please keep in touch. And now we're edging down to the final 60 seconds, and I'm going to put the music on when we get to another eight seconds here. By the time I say eight seconds here, it's going to be time to put the music on. And Rick Lenz, actor and author extraordinaire, and absolutely Abby Kohut. Here we go. There we go. The music's on in the background. We are going to take a deep breath, and you're going to see if you can outlast me on the big moi kiss. And the moi kiss, we're going to send everybody good luck with the job of your dreams. And not good luck, but best wishes in finding and living the life of the job of your dreams wherever it takes you on whatever stage in life. I think that covers everybody. Okay, Abby, Rick, deep breath. Here we go. See if you can outlast me. Mm-hmm. 
I'm Bonnie D. Graham, a.k.a. Radio Red. I've had a delightful time with absolutely Abby Kohut and Rick Lance. Rick regards to Linda and Mom. I will expect your call in a second before I run out the door to go teach tonight. It's a busy day. It's Monday. Everybody, I'll talk to you next week right here on Read My Lips. Have a great week and go out and do something special for yourself and tell someone you're thinking about them. It's just magic. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Mwah.